Well, if you brought a Bible today or if you want to look on an iPad or something, turn to 1 Samuel. Remember, we're working our way through the Old Testament scriptures, one character at a time. Today is the first woman that we're going to talk about. Her name is Hannah. Hannah is a picture of a person who the wrong side is winning. Do you ever feel like that? In a relationship or whatever, maybe at work, it just seems like you're doing the right thing and somebody else is doing the wrong thing and they seem to be winning. And you may pray for a season of time and nothing seems to be happening. And it brings great stress, great anxiety to us. But uh, this is a great example of God's faithfulness in the midst of those kinds of times. So I want to read 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Heroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, and Ephraimite. Those are not familiar names to us, are they? He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to her all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Why are you weeping? Why, why don't you eat? Why are you downtrodden? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? So I want you to think about uh, several things here. The first, fill in the blank on the outline there, we all face pressures of life. Hannah is a great example to us because though we find this hard to identify with in our day, success for a woman in that day was having children, particularly having sons. So if you didn't have any children, you were, you were regarded as barren. That's not a good word, is it? Dry, desert-like, no, no fruit, no life. And on the other hand, Penina, who was her rival wife, I can't imagine, you know, having two wives and having them be rivals with one another, that wouldn't make for a very happy home, would it? So Hannah was barren and was humiliated because Penina constantly reminded her of that, and every time they would go to Shiloh to offer a sacrifice, then Penina would throw up in her face, I have children, but you don't. And she was inconsolable. But she was given a double portion by her husband because the scripture says that he loved her 
in particular. And I love the phrase, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And she said, are you kidding me? (laughs) So it's a picture of you in a time of disappointment where you're being maybe looked down upon or you're treated like a loser or you feel like a loser at least. You're not successful. I think most of us, when, when we feel like we're losing or somebody is humiliating us, we want to stand up and fight, right? So I may have told you this story before. I think I did, but I, I was going to Oregon Technical Institute, and there were probably, I suppose, 10 students from my high school that went there. It was about 150 miles away. And one of them... Uh, was a roommate of a friend of mine, and he, w- he had been a friend of mine at one point. And he'd been going with this girl in high school for several years, was still going with her, supposedly, but he was dating a woman in Klamath Falls, the town where we currently were. So he would hang out with this one woman during the week, and then he'd go home and spend the weekend with another girl. And I was really hacked off about it. I liked her. She was a sweet girl, she was faithful to him, and uh, he was just cheating on her. So I walked in his room one day and I said, stand up like a man and fight, and he wouldn't do it. So I just slammed him a couple of times in the face and kind of beat him down a little bit. He wasn't willing to stand up and fight. We think in our culture that you're a hero if you stand up and fight. But biblically, we're better to fight on our knees. Now, when you think about kneeling down, if you would kneel down in front of your boss, or if you'd kneel down in front of your spouse or a friend and plead something, what would that make you feel like? What might make you feel kind of humiliated? Not a position of strength. But the Bible says that we are to kneel at the throne of grace, that we might, we might find grace to help us in our time of need. In other words, to ask God for help, kneeling down to His authority and His grace, is probably the greatest position of strength that you can have. So fill in the blanks there. When you can't stand up and fight, <coughs> excuse me, kneel down and pray. Kneeling is a position of strength, not a position of weakness. Asking for help is normal because we don't live in heaven yet. This is a promise you probably haven't memorized. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise. But here's another promise. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, when you're in trouble, turn to the one who has overcome the world. Turn to Jesus because he can do immeasurably more than you can do. So first of all, we want to face our pressures. It's normal to have pressures. Secondly, prayer is powerful. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, it doesn't mean that she was bitter, it just means that she's having a horrible time. 
In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me. Notice those words, and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. So Hannah prayed, and it's kind of comical if you read this whole section, because Hannah is praying, her lips are moving, but she's not making any noise. So Eli the priest sees her, lips moving and not making any noise, and he thinks she's drunk. So he goes over to her and says, what, you know, what are you doing coming, coming in here like this? And she said, she, she pled with him that she wasn't drunk, that she was just bringing this great need before the Lord. And I ask you to notice those words as we read that passage of Scripture. Remember me. Say that with me. Remember me. So when you want to remind somebody of something, what do you do? Well, sometimes you'll go, remember me. Or sometimes you might, you know, the old-fashioned way was you'd tie a string around your finger so you wouldn't forget something. Or the original Palm Pilot, writing in the, writing in the palm of your hand. That's the original Palm Pilot. Some, <laughs> many of you would remember Josh Stewart that used to be our kids' person. And, and Josh was, was always late. Every place he went, he was late. So I know that some people say, well, that's a cultural thing. You just, you just have to live with it. I, I didn't agree with that. So I said, Josh, uh, he had a cell phone, and he was on that cell phone all the time. So one day in a meeting, I said, Josh, I said, you're late again. I said, pull out your cell phone. So he pulled it out, and I said, do you not have set an alarm on your cell phone? He looked at me like, well, yeah. I said, well, I don't want you to ever be late again because you can just set an alarm 10 or 15 minutes before where you're supposed to be someplace, or if it takes you 30 minutes to get there, then alarm for 35 minutes so you'll be on time. And he, he did that and <laughs> finally found a way that, that he could identify with. So I love that word, remember me. Don't you want the Lord to remember you? It's kind of amazing to me to think about the fact that the Lord would focus on you specifically. We think, well, there's just all kinds of people, there's all kinds of needs, God's busy, why would he remember me? But here's an example where somebody said, Lord, would you please remember me? And that doesn't mean just to think about you, but it would, Lord, would you remember the situation that I'm in? Would you remember how I'm praying? Would you remember what I'm believing for right now? So this morning, I want you to just think about something in your life. It's been a point of stress. And then let's say it together, remember me, okay? Remember me. He can remember all of us at the same time. Don't get nervous. Lord, remember me. I want you, Lord, to just... Not only hear my words, but I want you to please respond in the best way that you can see fit. Eli answered to Hannah, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, 
May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. In other words, she prayed. She asked the Lord for something. Lord, remember me. And when she walked away, she was different. You know, that's not, often that's not true. When you pray, do you leave what you pray for there at his feet? You've heard me talk about my dog Jake before, and he's, he does this constantly. If I have a plate with something on it and he wants it, he comes and <laughs> stares right in my face. The other day I laid a, I, I eat a bag of popcorn every night. And I, and I took this bag, empty bag of popcorn, which was still, the bag was still warm, and I put it over beside me. What do you suppose Jake did? He went over there, and he starts to go like that, and I said, leave it. Man, he didn't want to. So he'd back away for a minute, and then if he'd think I wasn't looking, he'd go for it again. I said, Jake, leave it. You could just see the turmoil going on in him to keep that. That's the way we are when we pray. We pray, but we want to hold on to what we're praying for. Leave it. <laughs> Whatever you're praying for now, you ask the Lord a minute ago, Lord, remember me. Okay, now leave it. That's a position of trust. Lord, leave that at the Lord's feet. Trust Him to take care of that. Early in the morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. I love that. The Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So the, the, the name Samuel means asked of God. So every time she looks at him, Samuel, I asked the Lord for you. I ask the Lord for you, look what I got. So give back to the Lord what he's given to you. So I hope I can explain this well. Do you think that the Lord can do more than you can do? We'd all say, yep, I believe that. Then leave it. Give it to him. So it's like, the way I thought about it this morning, was it's like, it's like an offering. I don't know how you think about your offering, but some people struggle with like, giving. is so hard for me. Why? Because we think we own it. But the truth is the Lord gave it to us. And let me ask you a question. Do you think that the Lord can do more with your money than you can? If you really believe that, you'll be a giver. Because I thought about my life. I'll use an example that I've used before in a minute. But if I try to do with my life what I can do on my own, that's one thing. But if I, try, if I give my life to the Lord and say, Lord, you use me, then he can multiply again and again what can be done with my life, with your money. You know, you've got 20 bucks in your pocket or 50 bucks in your pocket or your tithe in your pocket. And you think, well, I could use that money. And you could. But if you give that to the Lord, what a joy it is to see what God is doing with that money that you gave. You can see Him multiplying His purposes in the world, accomplishing His purposes in the world, because you gave. And He multiplies it over many, many times from what you could do. 
So give back to the Lord whatever He has given to you. That makes it a joy to give when you know that what you have comes from God and you live with an open hand. I, and I, I don't mean this in a dim, demeaning way. Maybe I shouldn't even say it. Well, I won't say it that way. I came from a life of nothing. And the Lord has blessed me so many ways. I've gotten to travel all over the world. I've gotten to see many people come to know Jesus. I've gotten to lead a large church. And even today, I experience so many blessings in my life. I get to do this. I get to do what I'm doing right now. And I don't deserve that, but it only comes if you're willing to give to the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord. Give your possessions to the Lord. Give your gifts to the Lord. And then number three, take great pride in the Lord's goodness. Look around at what he has done. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord. A boy wearing a linen ephod. So his mama took him back as soon as he was weaned, took him back to, the, back to Shiloh and dedicated him to the Lord. She left him there. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him. And when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife sang, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So she, first of all, she didn't have any children. Now she's got several children. And she gave one of them to the Lord. And she can see what's happening in her children's lives as well as what's happening in Samuel's life. So think about about Hannah every year when she went up to offer a sacrifice. Every year... Her, her boy had grown during that year, and she would take a little priestly robe that she made, and she would take it, and she'd give it to Samuel and say, look, look, look how my boy has grown. Look how the Lord is blessing my boy. I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful that I gave you to the Lord. Look what's happening in your life. Just look at you. If you have children, you, you know what it's like to look at them, and just, just, you're just so proud of them. She was very proud of Samuel. I tell this story, I've told it a couple of times before, but I, I, I tell it for a reason. You remember me saying, in fact, I, I told it again just a few, a few weeks ago, my brother Larry was looked upon with great favor by my dad and my mom. He was athletic, he was smart, first one in our family to graduate from college. And my, I, I could just tell my mom and dad were so proud of Larry. My brother Marlon was a people person, and he had a personality very much like my dad's, and so my dad, he and my dad related to one another very, very well. And my dad was really proud of my brother Marlon. Marlon never knew, knew a stranger. And then when I was in my 40s, my mom described it that way. And then she said, and then there was Stan. Oh. You know, I look at that now and I think, good deal. And I didn't know. But that was, that, that was, she'd never said that to me before, but I'm sure that I felt what she felt, and I, it was a motivation to me. In a bad sense, I was trying to prove something, but in a good sense, I can look back now and say, I can look at my life. My mom came from Oregon. She was a little Baptist lady, and, and uh, she was a tither, and you know all, of, all the positive things about a Christian life. 
she came to our church when we were probably, I suppose, five or six hundred people. And I know my mom must have sat there thinking, only God could do that. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's what you want people to do. Only God could do that. It's not about us. It's about him and what he can do in our life. So the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were, many, there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I, I did not call you. Go back and lay down. So he went back and laid down. Three times the Lord called Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. And he had never heard the, Lord, the voice of the Lord before, so he didn't know. So he'd run into Eli. You called? No, I didn't call. Well, the third time he did that, Eli thought, Oh, the Lord is calling him. He said, you go back. That's the voice of the Lord. And you say, here I am. Do whatever you want with me. Now, first of all, I'd like to say, if you have a child and you'd like to dedicate that child to God, like Samuel, don't bring him to me. I don't want him. <laughs> I'm too old for that. But Samuel lived a remarkable life. And in the context of what we're studying now, we started with Adam in the, in the garden, then Abraham, who, or Noah, and then Abraham, and then Joseph. And now we come all the way to, we had Moses, and now we have Samuel. And Samuel was a transition between the book of Judges and First and Second Samuel. So Samuel was the one who appointed uh, Saul as the king. Then he was the one who appointed David as the king. So he was a judge and then he was a prophet and appointed the kings in that time of transition. And it was a time of, of spiritual devastation. Good things were not going on in the time when Eli was the priest. His sons, you know, can you imagine? Women would bring their sacrifices and they would have sex with those women before they'd receive their sacrifices. All kinds of horrendous things were going on at the, at the tabernacle. And so Samuel and Hannah shone very brightly in that, in that period of time. They were godly, good people. So in terms of Hannah, think about, gosh, where I feel weak, where I feel barren, where I feel like the wrong person is winning, that justice is not being done, then pray like Hannah and leave it with the Lord and watch what he can do. With Samuel, we see a little boy who was dedicated to the Lord and because of the prayers of his mama, he was a godly good man in the midst of a very evil time. Maybe you just want to pray that way for your kids. I pray that way for my grandkids. I pray, Lord, would you take my grandkids and make them examples of goodness rather than evil in the midst of the time that we're living right now. So I want you to bow your head and I want to just pray for you in the following ways. First of all, accept the fact that trouble is normal. 
It's not trouble because God is mad at you or because God has neglected you. Trouble is normal in a sinful world for lots of reasons. Maybe you, maybe another person, maybe Satan. Accept the fact that trouble is normal. Jesus promised that we'd have it. But secondly, pray. Kneel down and fight. Don't stand up and fight. Kneel down and fight because prayer is powerful. Bring your troubles to the throne of grace and ask that God will act in the right time in the right way. And thirdly, look around you and brag on God for all that he's done. Lord, only you could do this with someone like me. Thank the Lord for his goodness in your life. And I just want to I want to bring back just a minute about giving. I'm not I'm not saying this because there's a great need. I'm saying this because it's a great truth. God can use your money a lot more effectively than you can. He can use your gifts a lot more effectively than you can. So live with an open hand. Lord, I belong to you and everything that I have belongs to you. And I ask you to multiply it for your purposes in Jesus' name. I'd like to ask while your heads are bowed if there's anyone here this morning